Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is the Anfield Rap, Neil Atkinson on Radio City Talk, joined by Mo Stewart, Andy Heaton and Mr Friday Night himself, John Gibbons. John, how are you this Friday? Yeah, alright, yeah, feeling good. It's been a lovely day, crisp, I'd call it. The clocks this weekend. Well, I feel like you're obliged if you do radio to discuss things like the clocks. Like there's so a everyone list. knows. Yeah, just in case. So if yeah. you're listening to this, do be aware the clocks this weekend, they go back. You remember back. Because you fall back. That's how you remember. Is that how you remember? Yeah. Oh, God, I tell you, honestly, we are born for breakfast. <laughs> when will it happen? I wish yeah. someone had told me that 35 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. there you go. You see, it's it's core information, Mo. You can't mm. argue with I'm it. I'm furious with the clocks thing, you know. Do you think we should get rid of it? No, I've actually got a legitimate gripe with this. Because I used to uh, work on an old Royal Mail contract, right? And it was like night shifts, as you know, as you yeah. well know. And um, I always tended to work on the one way we had to work another hour, and then I'd always miss the one where we get the extra hour in bed, and we never got paid for it. Wow. Six years of my life. I used someone to... owes me six hours. I think I... <laughs> <laughs> someone owes me who's six you, hours. Who'd you bargain with for that? Who'd you get in touch with? <laughs> who'd you get in touch? I used to have this thing. I used to love, and I think it is the one where you go back. I used to, you know, I think we're all we're all now men of a of a certain vintage of a certain age. But I used to love the labata where the clocks moved. <laughs> the labata where the clocks went back was yeah. uh, felt like absolute scenes. I was felt I was felt like Jules was on his was on his A game uh, for that one. Was was taking no prisoners. We had a house party once when the clocks changed. I can't remember if it was forward or back, but like everyone's head went. <laughs> you know, pre-mobile phones that just changed it for you. Obviously, there's people ringing the speaking clock. Every clock, every clock in our house had a different time on it because <laughs> no one knew if, the, if it had been moved or not, and it was just carnage. Oh, it was all anyone talked about for three hours. What time is it? <laughs> what time? What? Do you know what the time is? <laughs> Have you seen the time? Have you seen? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> all right, we've got to move forward uh, and talk about the Reds, and it's a very Jurgen Klopp heavy show. We're going to be joined in a little while by Dave Seagar. Dave's written a book called uh, Kloppite. Uh, one man's quest to turn doubters into believers uh, I'm, I'm, I've talked to him about that that's a pre-recorded interview and I decided that I very much wanted to get out this week because this feels like a big week for the manager I've got Sean Rogers coming talking about what will have been going on behind the scenes uh, that's after 7 o'clock and then we're going to have a chat that sp- focuses on Huddersfield but first of all first of all the premise of this Mo is that it's it's felt a weirdly significant week for Liverpool's season in a really weird way because it's actually been the first week where there are no games but you feel as though a lot of what happens from this point onwards will be dictated by what we haven't seen go on this week. Very much so. I mean, it's really the first chance this season to actually, as you say, take a proper breath. And not only take a breath, but do it under a little bit of um, a shadow, so to speak. I mean, when you consider what's going on over at Everton, that seems to be dominating most of the headlines. So we can... I mean, if ever Liverpool can do anything secretly, then this is probably the best time to do it. And as you say, it feels like... Decisions are being made this week that will have serious ramifications over not only between where we are now in January, how long our list is in January, but also where we finish in May and how long the manager, how many more years the manager gets after this one. That feels like a big week, Andy, but I, I sort of don't necessarily disagree with anything that Mo said there. It's, you know, it's, it's worth pointing out that it's actually the first week of inter- uninterrupted training Liverpool have had, and, and it is also a chance to assess and assess, you know, when you're not just in that maelstrom of game, break, game, break, game, break, suddenly they do get to have a little look and there's, there is so much to look at. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of talk uh, amongst the fan base and the media in general about the big message turning doubters into believers and maybe believers turning into doubters, but I think that applies to the squad as well. They've had all week to keep them together this week. I'm, I think you'll be able to tell what the reaction is by the lineup he puts out. Because um, I don't think I, I think either changes a lot or doesn't change very much at all. I don't think there's any real halfway house. Uh, and I think that they're all and very strong. We all know how much a training ground manager he is. Um, and I think we'll see the, the the proof of that um, on Saturday when they line up against Huddersfield. But I wouldn't, I'd be, I wouldn't be equally surprised either way to see five changes or none. Apart from the the, the enforced yeah. continuing one that yeah, we found out, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you know that that, that that is, you know, that is a little bit of a shame, obviously for for tons of reasons. But it is, I mean, there's been talk, John, that they got that Liverpool Liverpool's players got Tuesday off, um, and. What I would say there is I very much bet the coaching staff didn't. I reckon they were in, going through what they've been working on, going through videos, assessing themselves really, and then assessing what what does need to be done, what players are in what state. You know, the manager talked today in this press conference about about Lovren's sort of mentality and about that he didn't want to be the sort of person who's, who's watching on uh, or on phones, as he phrased it, that he very much wanted to wants his, and wants his players to get stuck in and help. And it does seem a lot of that... A lot of this does seem to be mental for Liverpool, I think, and that's why I wonder if he might have tre- cherished the week of holding his players close a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's he'll, he'll have liked having the week. I think I don't think it was a, you know sometimes managers and, and players will say, "Oh, it's good to bounce back, be able to bounce back quickly," but I don't think that was necessarily one way you'd want to. I think I think this was one way it's reevaluate it, and I think for I'm right. I, I think you're right. I just said I'm right. Um, I think you're right is what I tried to say was that um, the coaches probably working harder than ever this week for get days off. And I think a big thing for them will be to go back to when it was going well and think about when it's gone well. And that's been plenty of times on the end clubs, no matter what anyone else tell you. And think about what were we doing then? What were we doing then? And how could we try and recreate that when everyone felt so confident and everyone felt like they were flying and the team were playing like, you know, you can put a team from Mars ahead of us and we'll beat them type thing. And I think that's what they'll, they'll be trying to look at and trying to recreate it in, in the work that they do on the training ground to get it out of them. And I think there's obviously a phrase in, in football, which is you, managers learn a lot about the more about the players in defeat than than they do in, in victory and I think in this case I think from supporters we'll we'll learn a lot about these players and how they respond to the defeat. So does, does the, I'll go to Andy first on this. We talk a lot to, to Steve Armstrong who supports United. And one of the things Steve always says is he talks about how how good a, a loser Ferguson was that United would lose a game but the way in which they would then respond was 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 one of the marks of, of why he was such a good manager, why he managed to get why he managed to turn things around. And I don't think, for instance, I don't think we lose or draw very well in September. You know, with the five 0 against Man City and then the games that follow and the, the performances that are put in. I don't think Liverpool lose or draw particularly well. And how that's gotta change, hasn't it? You've got to be able to take setbacks because you're gonna get them over thirty eight games, you are going to get them. I think we're really good at feeling sorry for ourselves. Um not just in between games, actually in games. Yeah, during the games. Even, even so much as when we've had a good 20 and I've managed not to score, so the game's still nil-nil, but we kind of get frustrated with ourselves going, oh, what's it take? Yeah, what's it going to take now? And you see that, and I mean, it's easy to say we lack leadership, we lack mentality, and it's far more complex to do that. And you talk about Ferguson being a great loser, that took him years to develop. And he... he and he was very much became that was became part of the fabric of Man United, but that doesn't happen overnight. And you have to have the right people around. And as much you can't take someone who's mentally weak or, or if they haven't got it, some but you you, could, you can teach some players, but you can't teach them all it. 
and and that that resilience that that takes takes time to bed in. So I get what Steve's saying, but I think we've got too there's the capacity for our squad to feel sorry for itself. It, it it's too great. It's too great a component. Mm. And also the thing is, it's notable that Steve didn't uh, give away Ferguson secrets of exactly how he did that. So just to say that it has been done before doesn't mean it can be done by everyone and that there is one way to do it for everyone. So it's 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 a tough one to really quantify. I mean, I remember looking at stats earlier this season. I think it was after our first, uh, after the Watford game, in fact, where we were talking about how we bounced back from bad results. And last season, if you take that horror show in the middle of January out of it, Every t- every other game time we drop points, we won the game after. So we were doing it. We yeah. could do it. This squad does have it in it. It just I think you're right in as much as we need to get out of our own head a little bit. And I think part of why Klopp wanted to send the players away on Tuesday was so that the coaches could close ranks without having to worry about anything, anyone listening in or what they're doing on the training pitch. And send them away and slag them off. Yeah, 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 literally. Let's just draw a line here. Are we going to go with these guys or are we going to change it? Um, the other part of this, John, as you mentioned it there, it does feel like it's the first wobble for the manager, whether it's his wobble, whether he can feel as though he's been let down by his players, whether it's the circumstances. For the first time, there's a number of people talking about whether or not he should be under pressure and whether or not he is untouchable, which suggests A, he is under pressure and B, he is touchable in the way in which these things work. And it's it's easy to say that there's one there's one cheap fix and that's win games. It's 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 different to say that this is part of, you could argue this is part of the pathway a lot of Liverpool managers end up going on. Yeah, it's right, and and look, if a lot of Liverpool managers are going on the same pathway, then maybe there's a greater problem than the manager. But I think that's 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 maybe one for another day. He can bounce back, but as Mo's kind of alluded to there, you shouldn't necessarily presume that 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 he will do. It's it's he's in a tough position for him, and there's there's times with 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 any manager where it's not going right, but you can see what they're trying to do, and then there's times where it's not going right, and. You, you, you look. You, it's it's hard to see what the, what what they're trying to achieve, and we're sort of edging towards that one a little bit at the moment. Where you think, well, what was the game plan against Tottenham, and and you know why why are we why are we putting the same things, the same type of team out, and 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 expecting something kind of different to happen? You know what what we what we trying to what we actually trying to change here and what we actually trying to do proactively I, I think we will see some proactive change for from him uh, in this game either line up or, or formation or just the attitude thing I just think we've dropped as well in terms of energy you know the, the stats are out there in terms of pressing seems to be down 15-20% well let's, let's just leg at them for a bit and see what happens there you know what I mean kind of just basic stuff you know maybe that's something we bring back the problem you've got with, and I know the temptation is to make wholesale changes, and I, I personally go for that, but that carries a risk with that. In so much as if that doesn't work, I think it's a great risk to do nothing. I think yeah. if we do not, if he if he picks the same team and they get beat Saturday, he's in real. Oh no, trouble. John, I, I agree with you. But what, what I'm saying is, it's, it's it's easy to just go, oh, we'll change this, 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 and this, and that. But then you run out of, you play that card. You can't play that card again and again and mm. again. So th- there's risk. There's risk in both elements with that. I think for me, though, I mean, if we're going to kind of crystallise this argument down to the defence, I mean, it does seem slightly unfair. There were more than that who weren't performing. But essentially, the reason why we couldn't look at the game plan for Spurs is because it was in the bin after five minutes, basically. So we don't know what they would have been planning. But if you're looking at it from the point of view of the defence, this is an opportunity to give someone like, for example, Joe Gomez a run at centre-half 
and give someone like Danny Ward a, a run and say, look, okay. He's out, Mo. Is he? Yeah, he's in. See, I'm not sure about all these rumours. Don't you think that Danny Ward might well, even, even the Coutinho one when he's touch and go, you know. Mm. Is he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's not definitely out. Well, yeah. I mean, if 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 he if we're going to hypothetically say that he's not out until I see it written down. <laughs> Mo wants him on crutches. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it does Entering or leaving a stadium on crutches, Mo wants. If, if he can take the crutches onto the pitch and swing it at the ball, then I'm all for it. What off from Carrius? <laughs> Maybe that might be the new thing where like they, they get hobble in on these crutches and then you get a team sheet an hour later. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> Proper WWF like James style. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, the point I'm still struggling to make here is that essentially. <laughs> have you not got any help? Have you like to show the sense half? Quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, my back four is not Danny quite Ward as accommodating. Half is yeah, what you're saying. No one's digging your LTMO. Come on. <laughs> Basically, what I mean is, is that this is. You don't get very many opportunities like this in a season where you can say, okay. We're going to find out one way or another with these guys because we say, okay, we think Joe Gomez might be a prospect for centre-half. Let's give him a run. We think Danny Ward might be a prospect for goalkeeper. Let's give him a run. And in this period of time, I mean, starting with this game in particular, if you think about the Huddersfield connection with Danny Ward, he's going to be fighting harder than he would have anyway. When you think about potentially Maribor, potentially West Ham, I mean, I don't want to start giving us points before we kicked off here, but you can see a progression where it could be two or three games where we could get a bit of confidence back and actually assess these guys. If we don't take this opportunity, then are we still going to be in January saying, well, maybe we don't need one because maybe he could do this and maybe he could do that. We need to start getting some definitives in here and knowing about these players. There might be something that he's been tempted to do since the start of the season but hasn't either been able to because of one thing or another or has been a bit reluctant because it's a bit of a risk yeah. and that might be the thing he goes for now and you sometimes see that with, with, with managers when when uh, Brendan Rodgers had his had his eye on that formation that Barlett played was it and, and thought it was, it was it was mad and brilliant but you know it's one thing seeing it but then doing it the next game feels a bit a bit strange but then he when he needed to do something he went do you know what I'll do that mad ball thing Okay, this is the Anfield Apple of a chat about the mad ball thing after seven o'clock or things like it on Radio City Talk. Uh, made up to be coming across you today, Liverpool, on this Friday night. Whatever you're doing, have a fantastic time. After this break, we are going to be speaking to Dave Seagar. He is talking to me uh, in London about his book, Kloppite, uh, how to have one man's quest to turn doubters into believers. It's the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Yep, went to speak to Dave Seagard in London. A uh, lovely man. Uh, contributes to the Anfield Rap. Excellent writing. He's written a book. It's called Kloppite. One man's quest to turn doubters into believers. It's an interesting little study of Klopp, his time at Liverpool and his history before then as well. It's well worth a read and this is what we chatted about. Indeed, the city talk of Neil sitting in rooms and talking to authors and doing so excitedly. And this man's very much of our parish. The fact that this Dave Seagard has written a book which is called Kloppite. One man's quest to turn doubters into believers, and Dave, you know the book is it's out on pitch publishing and it's fantastic. But the first, the first little thing that grabbed me about it is that subtitle. In terms of you're very much casting the manager as someone who's trying to work, work a psychological spell, not just on a group of footballers, but also on an entire club. That he's sort of seen that as his role from the minute he's arrived, and I think that that's something which is, you know, sort of missed with Klopp that he felt, and perhaps rightly, perhaps wrongly. But he felt as though he he had a lot of work to do both on and off the pitch. Yeah, and I think that's something you've seen a lot since in the two years that he's been here. That, as you say, when he came in, obviously it comes from the infamous quote from his his first press conference. But I think a lot of managers in their first press conference, the the 
journalists will ask, you know, how are you going to get these players to turn it around? How are you going to get them to perform better? And he had all of that. But this, the doubt was to believers quote was very much, as you say, the whole club, more to the point, the fans. And I think he could see even early on that as much as a club as we'd struggled to an extent, obviously under Brendan Rodgers, certainly in, in the latter days, uh, that maybe it had been, as well as the players not uh, not performing to the levels people would have hoped, that perhaps he'd seen that the fans were turning a bit too quickly or uh, that the power of the fans that he'd seen at Borussia Dortmund could have a huge, huge effect on the team and that maybe he thought, get them on side early, make sure they know they're very much a part of this and this isn't just me and my squad. This is the whole of Liverpool Football Club together trying to get, take us forward. Do you think that that creates for himself a pressure and a rod for his own back in that he doesn't just have to get results but he's got to constantly demonstrate lessons? Do you know what I mean? Like the idea of that when this works, it's fantastic. But when, you know, the stuff that may be outside of his control, for example, whether or not Liverpool signed Virgil van Dijk, and if you're building a lot of this on on a psychology, if that psychology gets undermined, then all of a sudden you find yourself with all the work to do all over again. Yeah, it's, it, there's, there's elements of it being a risky game where, and I've, I've, I've thought this certainly at the start, around the start of this season, is that the way he built that up of having like a one club mentality and wanting everyone to be pushing forward together, but especially when it came to the fans, when he would constantly, almost every home game, sort of say, we could do with the fans being there, we could do with them getting behind us. And then if the players responded to that, he'd praise it and mention it. If they didn't to an extent, or he didn't feel the fans were giving enough or the players weren't giving enough, then he'd, he'd reference that as well. But... I think the danger with that comes that if you believe in that and you think, okay, we'll do that, we'll we'll push ourselves into this, and then it doesn't work, they'll think, hang on, you said if we pushed ourselves into this, we'd win game mm. after game, and it's not happening. So were you lying to us? Uh, what, what, was, is it not having as big an effect as possible? And I think maybe he's struggling with that a bit at the start of this season, but I don't think it's going to take too much to turn it around. Within the book, you speak to a lot of people who are close to the entire project, uh, Pep Linders, mm. uh, John Achterberg, uh, and um, you, you take the other quotes uh, as well from people um, who've, who've given them elsewhere. There's a Stephen Gerrard thing in there as well, where you know he talks about the first time he met the manager and how he walked out. Again, on that, what strikes me as it comes through repeatedly in the text is is that there's a, a lot of pressure on his on his sense of personal inspiration. Mm. I think you know from and I'm, I've, I've specified the coaches there because. Because they're working with him in a technical capacity, and yet they talk about it. I've specified yeah. Gerard because he doesn't currently play for him. And he actually says, "If I played for this fella," and I, that strikes me as this isn't therefore just. Firstly, it's not just empty words, but secondly, on a personal level, that that's a lot to have to draw on day in day out. It's not just drawing on. This is our tactical plan, boys, for how we win this game. It seems it's very much you get the impression first into training, welcoming everybody, absolutely trying to get everybody absolutely buzzing every single every single day yeah. regardless of results and that that is a huge sort of personal commitment on an emotionally energ- energetic level yeah absolutely I and mean, as you say the Gerard quote was was really really interesting at the time because as you say he wasn't he wasn't part of the club at the time he was obviously still in LA but he'd just come over to do a bit of training knew of Klopp obviously and he said he was a big Mara beforehand he'd seen him at Dortmund but then from one meeting with him, you'd expect him to come out and say, yeah, he's really good. I really like yeah. him. I think he'll be good. But he was it was gushing, absolutely gushing. In it sense by the standards of Gerrard, he was very bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very, he, he yeah, never reserved. speaks about that about anyone. And he, he was just absolutely delighted. And he, he, he didn't didn't have, other than being a Liverpool fan, didn't have reason to be that effusive in that praise because he, he wasn't playing for him. He wasn't coaching under him. Uh, but he was, well, now he is, obviously. But uh, yeah, and with, with 
Pep and, and John that um, when when I spoke to them, well, ideally I wanted to speak to them to find out, as you say, how how close, uh, how much they, they could give from, from working with them in a technical point of view. But yeah, they just came out with stuff like, I'm oh, such a great bloke. He's, he's such a brilliant guy yeah. to be around. You'd learn from him every day. He's... And uh, Pep, actually, I won't give away the entire story because people can read that in the book, but <laughs> Pep, Pep gave a good story about um, in his first week, uh, yeah, or his first meeting, actually, with, uh, with the team. He did something that brought everyone in the club together at one point and sort of brought everyone into that mindset of thinking everyone involved at Liverpool is involved with this and everyone is just as important as everyone else. Is there, from your you know work on all of this because I think it is really interesting to actually go back now to 2015 and and, and look at 20 you know the start of 2016 and the stories that come out you mentioned for instance the auction on the LFC foundation and I remember that and that feeling genuinely fresh and that's one of the things that sort of occurred to me is is that there's the that quote of doubt us to believe as comes at the moment where Jurgen Klopp gets to be a fresh face, gets to have that sort of idea that he's a breath of fresh air, all of those cliches as he, as he sweeps through the club. Whereas now, you know, his feet have been under the table now two years. Uh, he's into his, what isn't his third full season, but sort of feels a bit like it, not least because of the cup finals. Yeah. You know, would you worry that the that freshness will find some sort of way to rub off? I think to a, to an extent we've seen that already this season which is a slight worry because you kind of hoped especially with there was a lot of people who felt that that's essentially what happened to Dortmund um, certainly in his final season where the form just went completely yeah. off a cliff uh, and they said oh it's just it's just ended the cycle of, of what he can bring and his motivational techniques uh, have ended and probably can't be brought back they were in the second half of the season but not to the extent he wanted and of course, the worry is that with Liverpool, if that's happened, if, if that was going to happen, if it was going to happen now, that's far too early in the process. But I think he's he, people I think have underestimated so far his ability to learn lessons from from his own experiences. And I think you can already see he's doing very different things at Liverpool to what he did at Dortmund. And he's at the same time he's not he's not giving in and 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 changing things just for the sake of changing things, or he's he's not listening to outside voices he's very much being his own man still doing his thing whilst not completely rigidly sticking to what he was doing when he first came in but I think he's aware that now as you said over two years into the process now that he can't just say hey I'm Jürgen Klopp you all love me listen to me and carry me forward he's got to show that there's there's tangible positives from uh, from where where the club is going and where the team is going but I think certainly in his mind I think he's he comes across obviously as a confident character and I think he's more than confident of, of being able to keep that. I think the, the lessons learned things really interesting with him, Dave, in general in terms of the, the obviously there's the time at Mainz which graduates to the yeah. time at Dortmund and I think we've been to, I, I, I don't mean to disagree with me, but I think Liverpool supporters in general have been, firstly, I think a little bit too eager to act as though when he first arrived, Klopp's doing his a favour in some way by mm. becoming Liverpool manager. But secondly, also not to act as though Dortmund to Liverpool is actually a graduation, which it is. It's a much bigger club much uh, much more solid history, much grander designs, you'd at least like to think. And do you almost think he's, you know, he was planning for, for the next stage on of, of being him? And that therefore that could be almost what we're seeing at the minute is that a little bit of a crystallist moment that at the minute it may not look fabulous at times, but that it is, he's working towards something which is a bit grander, I think, than, than, than Dortmund, where he almost seemed quite happy to be the plucky underdog. Yeah, I mean, he's... I think he'll, he, he's certainly aware of that, that, that it was a step up, if, if nothing else, 
this was going to be the hardest job of his career. I mean, obviously Mainz, they were struggling very much at the yeah. time. It was his first job. He'd never been a manager before and he, he just transformed them practically overnight. At Dortmund, it took a little bit longer uh, and to win the league was completely unexpected and, and sensational. But that was still after two years. He'd been there for two years. He'd finished sixth, he'd finished fifth and then he won the league. And in those sixth and fifth seasons, I've spoken to Dortmund fans while, while doing the book and they said absolutely no one questioned him during that time because yeah. obviously I think they finished 13th in, uh, yeah. at the end of the, the season and they were doing a really bad state they were they, they had an awful awful squad um, and he had a lot to turn around and he did uh, it, certainly in terms of the play they were they could see that straight away but but he'd in the, in the, in the first two seasons they said we just can see we're on a good way here 6th and 5th is fine and then obviously winning the league after the patience paid off but I think he he knows and everyone really knew when he came to, to England and to Liverpool that it was not going to be that I mean, it wasn't a simple job at Dortmund but it was going to be yeah. even harder here because it was there was a lot to learn from English football and from the new new squad he had and factually uh, I mean I think that I think the Bundesliga is a strong league and it's stronger than a lot of people give it credit for but there aren't as many big fish in that pond as there is in the Premier League pond and so many more uh, so much more competition that he's he's tried to figure out a way to to get Liverpool towards the top of that when it's harder than it was in Germany. Just to, I want to talk more separately uh, on uh, on tour player about about aspects in terms of things like winter breaks and stuff like that and how the learning from that. But do you also think that there, there there is something about that you can see English football from afar? You can watch the videos, but the lived experience of it still remains. You know, I, again, another thing the book brought, brought back to me was was the West Brom game where you know the two two and he goes to the crowd and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But that was because he says in the game, we can't swear, but he, he's deeply, he was deeply marked by the Crystal Palace defeat, by his styles of football, that bits and pieces came as a shock to him. You know, do you think that's that, that that was the case for perhaps longer than people people thought, than people imagined, that it did take a good 12 months of him before he was like, okay, this is how this works? Yeah, certainly, certainly with regards to the, the winter break thing, I think that, that you can't underestimate the big effect that that's had or the big difference that's had, because especially, again, going back to his final season at Dortmund, as disastrous as the first half was he knew that once he got to the halfway point six weeks the winter break is in Bundesliga the longest by a fair distance in Europe he had that long to work with them again and once he had done he did turn them around they had a couple of iffy results in the second half of the season but it's at the start of the second half of the season but soon they were winning game after game and he, he had turned it around in that time and of course coming to England and seeing that not only do you not get six weeks but you get you don't get any weeks and you get more games uh, on top of that 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 Adapting to that was a huge, huge thing to ask anyone to do, really. And especially as as it comes out in the book that, uh, well, as people know anyway, that in both seasons, um, he's really had a lot of injuries in that time as well. So it's not as if he's been working with, a, you could say, oh, we could have had a bigger squad to work with that time. That in that uh, in those moments, he's, he's had a shortage of players to work with and a lot of games to get through. And he's, he's not had any experience of doing that before. But I think, again, in terms of lessons learned, I think that's something I would be astonished if we don't see better results over this year's Christmas and New Year period. And I think we've seen already he's he's doing things to try and play forward to that already. Okay. Uh, so the book's called Clopite. Uh, it is on pitch publishing by David Seagar. He uses authorial title, Dave Seagar, when he does the ratings for us. Uh, so you can get you can get that now, and it's very, very much worth a read, so please do take the time to do so. And me and Dave will be having a longer chat about this book, which will be out next week on Tour Player. So uh, thank you very much to Dave, and let's get back over to everybody else. 
Dave Seagar there. Uh, his book, Clop Eight, uh, One Man's Quest to Ten Doubters into Believers. It is available now in all the ways I just said there. Listen, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. After the break, I'm going to be talking to Sean Rogers about what happens in the dressing room after all of that sort of kerfuffle. And uh, back with Andy, Mo, and John to look ahead at the Huddersfield game. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson joined by Sean Rogers. Before we get back to Mo, John and Andy, uh, we want to work through what Sean will do, and it'll be a big weekend on the training ground. What, what really interests me, Sean, and we talked about it earlier in the show, is this, they took a day off on Tuesday, and I think that's a real, the players took a day off on Tuesday. I suspect, <laughs> I suspect everybody else at Melwood was expected to be in uh, for a big 14, 16 hour day. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, normally... Um, I don't know how some clubs do it, you know, without getting too technical on it. Kind of most clubs will want you in the day, the day after, um, to be assessed and basically work on your recovery for want of a better word. And it's quite common that day two you'll 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 get a day off. And I know when Sturridge has gone away with England, but this happens with a lot of international teams. You know, if you're Brazil or Germany, you can't train your players, can you? the way that every club side want to train yeah. their players you've got to have one way of doing it so everyone does things differently and that's why I think when people come away from international breaks they do have more injuries th- than you'd like um, with the Liverpool team I think it's perfectly natural for them to come in the day after um, and then have the day off on the Tuesday us as fans probably think when things aren't going well and you know you almost want them punished in in one sense I suppose and, and it doesn't seem right them having that day off I think at the moment from what you can tell Liverpool have probably pulled the lads in on the Monday after the recovery session. They've gone through everything they feel they need to go through to do with Tottenham and gone, right, it's done now. Get away from it all. You've got a day off anyway planned. Take the day off and then full focus. We can only move forward. Then we focus on Huddersfield. And I think there's maybe a bit too much on it. Like They will have a team meeting pre-game, post-game, all the time. The only difference you get in them team meetings and... Without wanting to, I know we could took a lot of stick for it, but if you look at like being Liverpool as an example, that is how team meetings normally go. That they are manager led. It is teacher at the front of the class and and pupils listening in. I think when it gets different is when you open the floor. Do you know what I mean? I've always been taught as a coach or manager that never ask a question where you can't control the answer or may not like the answers that come back. So you might say to a group of young players, what's going on wrong? And you'll hear a huge array of answers, which might be blaming other people, covering their own backside. It might just be nonsense. So you've got to be very careful when you open the floor. But I think in in situations like this, it sounds like that's what Liverpool have done this week. It's... It is one where I think we're going to find out a lot about the manager. It's a shame. There's two reasons why the Coutinho injury is a shame. I think the first thing is that it it gives him another problem to solve on top of the problems that he's already got. And what that does is the second reason is it obscures us seeing what his full solution might be, if you know what I mean. Like the idea that if he was to make bold moves, if he was to do two or three things that might be unpopular, that you can, and I don't know if you agree with me or disagree with me on this, Sean, but that you can get away with at times like this. There's, there's stuff that you might want to do as the gaffer that a lot of the time, you've because certain players got you to a position, certain players performed well the previous season, that your decisions, you can get away with a few, but they've got to make sense within a dressing room. You can't just start to do absolutely anything at, at times because they'll, 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 you might if you don't get results quickly, you might get open revolt. But this is a chance for him, isn't it, to do something, but the Coutinho thing makes whatever it is he might want to do a little bit harder yeah 100 percent. you you need the dressing room and the culture that you're always going to have a lot of players say well if you're in the team you're happy and if you're out the team you're not and i think that's far too simplistic there are people who are on in the team that may not like it but the way that you go about it they can completely 
you know, accept it. I don't think that when Gary McAllis is left out by Julio, all of a sudden he's like Mr. Nasty and is upset about yeah. it. He's come to the club on a certain terms and is being dealt with in a certain way where that's acceptable. Um, but I also think people who think just because you're in the team you're happy are also wildly out on that. So I agree with you that in a situation like this, everyone in the club will accept that it's not good enough. Everyone will accept that something needs to change, whatever that... Now, it doesn't mean you have to change formations and selections, but something has to change to get a, a regular run of positive results um, to get the club to where we want to be. So, to that extent, no one's... People are going to have ill feeling if it affects them, but it's going to be taken on the chin, I suspect, and that doesn't happen that often, and particularly this early in the season, there's a little bit less pressure as well like if we draw with Huddersfield we'll think it's the end of the world but it's not like the back end of last year where if we'd have you know drawn on the last day of the season you're yeah. not achieving your aims so we may feel under pressure now but that's only going to go one way and get worse so yeah if he wants to do something radical he totally can it, it, a lot will you know a lot will depend on what him and his backroom staff have come up with and also the reaction of the players in training this week is there, it's interesting you mentioned pressure there because it's something we've we've touched upon through all of our conversations during this season, but we, we haven't properly explored. I do wonder about this, these feelings of pressure in that, you know, we were talking about Firmino's reaction to the penalty miss against Sevilla and the general mood around a couple of those results. To me, you know, it, it's felt it's felt too huge, it's felt too intense, it's felt too pressured at this stage and I... You know, it's easy to say, well, that comes from the top, but, you know, I, it may not. It may come from something internal within there. Yeah. It may come from a desire not to let the gaffer down, not to let the supporters... Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it does come from the top. Th- so instance. you think that this group has got themselves into this situation where this season they're feeling like, we've got it, we've got to be at it, we've got to be performing? Yeah, I mean, I I, I always say that I, I think if we can hit 65 points at game 30, we are bang there. And, you, and you're giving yourself a shot if you can clear 60 points depending on what kind of a season it is you look at the, the year Leicester win the league you're probably banging the race at game 30 if you hit that so when you think that some blocks of games are much harder than others it, we always say two points a game but that's it, I might be looking at a block of four fixtures going two points a game's poor out of them that's not what I want out of them yeah. I want you know what splitting airs I want ten points out of them four games not eight but then whoa I'm looking at these four Eight points might be quite hard, and, and, and you know, use this run of games perfect example. You know, you got United at home, Tottenham away, Huddersfield, West Ham. I'm looking at that going seven points, eight points is probably par, probably. Yeah. Anything over that, I think we've done well. Liverpool could still get through this run, being in and around par. For that, is it ideal? No. Should we set the bar higher? Arguably so. But I think if you look back in recent history, if we'd have hit game thirty between 60 and 65 points more often um, I think we'd have won a league title for one we'd have obviously got more Champions League qualifications in as well and I just wonder with what, what I think what you're driving at is the reaction of some of the players and the behaviour I'm not bothered about the supporters to one extent because that's what supporters are supposed to be but the playing squad should whilst being having that urgency in the last 10 minutes to turn a draw and to win they should have that focus that there's a bigger picture here that it's not as pressured as what it appears, and I do agree with you. It seems that it almost seems like it's a bigger crisis than it is. The players were under more pressure than it was, um, and there's nothing obvious to come at that. Like I remember, one of the Rafa teams, we had a terrible summer where Arbeloa goes, Hippie retires, Alonso yeah. oh, nine, goes. Ten. Yeah, players have allegedly been promised certain signings. They don't happen. They get drilled four 0 in that pre-season. I think it was Espanyol, wasn't it? And we turned up at Tottenham, and it, 
it looked like the camp wasn't right and it did look like that affected the mood of the players that we decided we were not going to have a good season before we'd even given ourselves the opportunity to do so. Everything was positive throughout the summer and even the start of the season, Hoffenheim, Arsenal. So I don't know where that pressure is. I mean, where do you think, where, how has that manifested itself within the players so quickly? I think that it's. I, I think it's the strange interrelation around different parts of the pitch not doing its job well enough. So you know, Firmino misses the penalty against Sevilla, and they concede the daft goal second half, where where two or three of them knock off, and he comes off the pitch thinking I had a chance to kill that game, and I didn't kill that game for us, and therefore. So there's the. I think it's the all these insecurities are bred one another into everybody feeling like their bit of the job is under even more pressure, and I think you can see that, for instance, in in. in if you have a certain view of the Lovren performance against Tottenham, I think you can see he's absolutely desperate to win that header for the second. And it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. But what's happened here is he's, he knows he's now playing like, I've let everyone down. I know I've let everyone down. No one dug me out. I need to get on top of this fella. I've been worried about this. And this is what I'm going to come and do. And that, all of that's going through his head in a flash as a human being. But he needs to be better. And I, but I think that's across the board where there's, it just feels to me a little bit throughout the season. I first heard on Liverpool, it's, 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 it's so difficult because I don't think we've been intense enough in a lot of the games. But the other side of it, I just sort of feel like more haste, less speed, boys. More, let's be more deliberate. But let's be more deliberately intense. Let's, and, and I think that all the way through, I just sort of feel like this is a side that's got itself into a position where it's just all a little bit individuals that are odds with themselves, individuals that are odds with where they are in the team, individuals that are odds with what their part of the team is against another part of the team. And then the manager feels a little, they're not quite playing his sort of football that we're used to seeing throughout either his time at Dortmund or here. And all of it just seems like there's something, and I don't think it's as bad as 0-9-10, because 0-9-10, I mean, you know, first game of the season, mm-hmm. Skirtle and Carrigan knock each other out yeah. <laughs> uh, Gerard gives the maddest penalty in the world yeah. away I just think that everything just sort of seems like it's not quite calibrated everyone's not quite calibrated is the word yeah I think you did a really good uh, article this week for whatever that's worth me thinking it was I'll a good piece Neil um, and you know I've referenced this before but after Maribor he was like celebrating the counter pressure being back and you go well why is it back why did it go away then has it gone away because you wanted it to go away have you just and it's not a criticism, it happens in all walks of life. Has it just gone away and you've not quite really noticed that a day becomes a week, a week becomes a month? And then when you actually see it back, you go, oh, I've really noticed now how bad we are missing that. It stands out, I want that back. So I think that in times like this, I think your piece is spot on. Jurgen Klopp needs to go clean slate. He somehow needs to persuade the squad to clean slate as well. All all the negatives, lack of confidence, any feelings they've got, he has to give that dressing room the feeling that things are going to be different. Yeah. Um, and Gary Neville said something wise that is like, what would a new manager do coming in, if you know what I mean? Um, and I'm not for one minute saying his job's at risk or anything stupid like that, but what would a new manager coming in do? And it'd probably be a bit of a clean slate, a sort of back-to-basics kind of approach. I suspect we'd have maybe a little bit more cover. And I might contradict myself here. The key really is Jürgen just doing the basic things that he thinks are the most important right now and then getting everyone to do that and believe in whatever those basic things are and just be him as basic as can make it as simple as possible and then you can sort of get some results and build some confidence from that I think okay going to go back over now to John Andy and Mo always great to speak to Sean let's see what they think with Huddersfield on the horizon great to speak to Sean as ever this is the Anfield Rap Radio City Talk Neil Atkinson John Gibbons Mo Stewart and Andy Heaton uh, John we're going to Belfast yeah we are I'm really really excited I love the live shows <laughs> they're your favourite things they are my favourite things about the Anfield Rap they're really good fun though if you've not been to one before um, it is a little bit 
sitting there watching men talk about football. But it's 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 a lot more raucous. It's a lot more fun. Um, there's plenty of audience participation, and I would say that um, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland probably do that the most. Yeah, they love they love audience participation. <laughs> uh, they is love. It, go on. Is it fair to say John comes alive? John is never more alive than when he's on stage. There's, my friend Stu Mather, our friend Stu Mather, once described John Barrowman as a very aggressive entertainer, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that that, that that description could also be made of John Gibbons at an Anfield Rap Live show. A uh, very aggressive entertainer. We have a ton of fun doing them. So Are you that- bringing Taylor Swift outfit, by the way? <laughs> oh no, man alive! No. Come on, one of us had to ask that question. <laughs> No, no, I'm not. not. Give the people what they don't want. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, yeah, so it's on the 4th. So what we're going to be doing, if if, if anyone in Belfast listening, and and we will get over, uh, and, you know, if anyone fancies going over even, but what we're going to do is watch the game all together um, in the Student Union, and there's a bar in there that we're at. uh, It's above, it's not Mandela Hall, but it's above Mandela Hall, and we'll be in there uh, watching the game against West Ham. They're going to do a live post-match show, and then we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to do the full Anfield Rap show. So all of that is the night out that we are offering, uh, and it's a it's a pretty good one to be honest with you I'm looking forward to it too uh, but I'm also looking forward to watching Liverpool play Huddersfield at Anfield um, and the the first reason why is actually to have a little bit of a look at them Mo I mean you know it's it's an impressive start considering mm-hmm. they just come up it doesn't and listen it doesn't feel like like a whole city start or a Blackpool start it feels like there's a little bit more going on yeah. you're not waiting for it to all, all fall back the other way and them have a, to have a terrible last half of the season or something like that and hang on for dear life no they they haven't reached heights that they seem unachievable to retain so to speak I think sometimes when you are first into the league you have that rush of adrenaline of you know what we're going to prove that we're as good as anyone out here and that does carry you for a while I also think that the United result came at the right time because they were starting to just plateau just a little bit I think the reintroduction of Aaron Moy and now the reintroduction of Steve Mounier in particular at the right time seems to have picked them up. I I expect them to still be in the bottom five, but they're going to be punching their way out right to the very end, in my opinion. Yeah, I think most spot on. I think there's a bit more method than other teams that previously come up. It's very much Phil Brown, blood and thunder, you know, effort will get you there. And I think the, 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 the reverse of that is as the season goes on, you run out of huff and puff. You look how and it happens every time. You'll see a team start really well and then fall off a cliff. I remember Hullwood fifth going around on yeah. Christmas or something. Talking about Europe. And then they narrowly avoided relegation because they literally just run out of legs where there seems to be a little bit more method and a, and a plan around what Wagner's doing. On the same token, I, um, Tottenham actually I absolutely took them to bits yeah. a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I know Liverpool aren't in great form. But they have got that capacity too. When I think you know when they're beaten fairly early. If you get ahead of them early, they're fairly beaten, and there's that meant because they're not running on fumes and adrenaline and one thing and the other. There is a mental switch that goes off and goes. You know what? We're just going to take this. And yeah, I mean, you talk about Mo talks about method there, and it's part of that method targeting points and targets in certain games for those points. that is Anfield seen as a free hit, and if it is, then if you go one nil down and Liverpool are playing well, do you think go oh, sod it? You know, we're, we'll. we'll this wasn't one of those places where we talked about where we're going to get our 45 points to, to stay up in a, in a reasonable way. And so that's what you've got to hope from the game, but that also obviously involves um, Liverpool starting well. Yeah, I think the flip side with that, though, as becoming a bit of a mantra, is that he will say, OK, if if we're two down at half-time and it's looking bad, then we can kind of ride it off. But if it's 1-0 Liverpool, it's 20 minutes to go 
then they're certainly still going to be looking to get points out of the game. They're going to be looking to put the pressure on. I think from the Huddersfield's point of view, the result against Man United is good and bad. It's good because it obviously gives him a lift, but it's bad because obviously it's a little bit like after the Lord Mayor's show. The one thing they've got in their favour is that everyone's focusing on Klopp and Wagner. No one's talking about the Huddersfield players shout. right now. That's a great shout. So this giving them all the... Uh, Wagner's going to be trying to take all the pressure off them as much as possible, drill them into their game plan and then give them belief at uh, uh, 2.45 and then see where they go. I think it's dead funny that it's his best man. I also <laughs> think it's dead for like it, 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 it is the, the extent to which it feels unbelievably Sunday league this John is and it's no bad thing I'm actually quite excited about like the, two pubs in Kirby playing against each other yeah where you know what I mean where you feel as though it could go off at any time like there could be something that builds up there between the pair you know I quite like to see daggers drawn say on oh. 60 on the total you know and then and all sorts yeah. is coming out yeah and then and then they've got to look at each other on 90 after the final whistle's gone and gone sorry about that mate should we go and have a pint <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you ain't seen nothing you ain't seen nothing until you've seen the Falcon vest the fan sale <laughs> yes. just saying well, no, it's, it's, you know it's, it's, it is, it's not dissimilar to the fact that I absolutely despise Steve Graves whenever I play him at any sort of game and that is you know it is in there in this mm. I mean it, it, and it, it, but it feels like it's in there hopefully in a nice way insofar as it can be it is you know it's, I'm sure the pair of them will, will have it in mind in a really strange unlikely manner yeah, possibly. I mean, it's it's dead easy to go. Oh, we're all professionals, but it's your best man. I know, I know. But it's it's like but you start you start looking for kind of like stories that, that aren't really there. You're like, oh, is, is his best man going to be the one who you know who, who puts the kind of final nail in the in the coffin for the season? Or you're like, well, it's it's just a game between two footballers. Yeah. Like Jordan Henderson's not running around on Saturday thinking, oh, it's a bit mad that he's the, he's his best man. You know, no. what I mean? <laughs> you might be thinking it now. They, him him and Adam Lallana might be having the same chat as, as, as us now, but uh, but tomorrow you know. It comes down to what the players do on the pitch, and, and the players need to do that. And that's the main thing I want to, tomorrow is is the players to show that that they're taking the responsibility on their shoulders, really, because they they they're the ones who've underperformed this season. You can talk about managerial mistakes, and you can talk about substitutions that should have been better and haven't worked, and what we should have done the transfer market and blah blah blah. But those players who've been out on the pitch haven't played well enough for Liverpool and haven't played to their full potential enough at the time. And so I'm hoping that's what they've been thinking all season, rather than rather than who who's the manager of whose team is that I let my team down on Saturday. We watched the videos that the goals aren't good enough. The attack and play wasn't good enough either how do we rectify that and and that's what they need to think about going you're upset me with your professionalism john (laughs) (laughs) who's gonna blink on the glasses (laughs) does that yep will someone will someone switch frames listen pick me a team quick i want each of you to tell me you're playing in goal you're playing in goal andy who do I think or what do I want? Who do you, what do you want? How much you want your team? I, I want I want Caris. I want Caris? I want Caris in there. I've got very little faith in either of them, but I've, I think that, that was the that was the last throw for me. For Spurs. So Caris in goal. Caris in goal. No. Uh, Danny Ward crutches all without. D- Danny Ward, John. Yeah, Danny Ward. So no one's picking Mignolet. All right, uh, pick me a back four, John. You can go first. Trent's right back. Um, oh, all of them. Um, I'll go Robertson left back. I'll go Matip and Gomez. Uh, Matip and Gomez. No. S- same as that. Same as that, Andy. No, I think you'll, I'd, I'd, I'd stick with it. Um, as much as I've just been mingling for the same thing, because some people just want to watch the world burn. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, yeah, Moreno, uh, Matip, Lovren, and oh, Trent. You will go Trent. You'd pull, yeah, push I go, I go Trent. Uh, okay, I like that between you and John. You've, I think you've each dropped the players who are probably the least 
uh, made the fewest faults against Tottenham. John's done Moreno and you've done Gomez. Um, Matin, meanwhile, wandering around the place feeling fantastic. I had to pick one of them. Um, uh, John, pick me your midfield. What, how many of them there are and what, the, what, what, what they're doing. They are. I'm going to pick Emery Chan as a number six. I'm going to pick Ronaldo because he plays well at home and it wasn't really his fault. And then I'm going to pick... Um, I think I might throw Ben more Ben in. Okay. Mo? Um, I'm also going to make a, a run pick, but I'm going to bring in James Milner alongside Gini Wijnaldum and Henderson, and I'm going to give Emery Chan a chance to sit on the bench and think about it. Okay. Andy? Grewich. Henderson. And Wijnaldum. Okay, I'd be picking Henderson and uh, Oxley chamberlain uh, and maybe with Woodburn in there now that there's no Coutinho. And pick me your front threes, John. Uh, Salah, Firmino and Sturridge. Uh, Salah, Firmino and Oxley chamberlain Salah, Sturridge, Oxley chamberlain uh, Wow, uh, Andy has gone. It's, it's mad, that one that you've lost. He's done Firmino. Okay, uh, that has been the Anfield wrap this week. Uh, <laughs> You don't have a word about the Firmino. I'm not picking the Firmino. No, I sort of understand it because I think... <laughs> the look on his face, and No, I was, I was just trying to have a think about it. That's what it was. But wait, I sort wait. of understand if, the, if the, you're not going to pick as a Firmino as a nine, then maybe you're better off with different wide players. So I can see where he's gone. Okay. I was just thinking. Uh, you Thanks, mate. Just, just, just clarifying it in your own mind. Listen, this has been the Anfield Wrap this week. Thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, give me I'll have a prediction from you all quick. Andy? Cathartic uh, 4-0. Cathartic 4-0. John? 3-1 Liverpool. Mo. 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1 Liverpool. Mo's. Uh, 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 Andy's Theos. Yeah, Andy's well better. I want to go to Andy's game if that can be arranged. Uh, thank you very I much. I would love to be wrong. Love uh, to be wrong. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I'll take, I'll take all three of them, to be honest with you. To, to Mo Stewart, to John Gibbons, and to Andy Heaton. This has been the Anfield app this week on this mad week of weeks for Liverpool supporters. Uh, doubters, believers, whatever you are, let's get stuck in. Very much enjoy the Reds against Huddersfield. It should be, should be a terrific game of football. Let's go, Liverpool. Let's not mess about. Sports Social Podcast Network.